I don't know about you, but many times as we watch the evening news, it's sort of like what Joe mentioned this morning. We get bad story after bad story after bad story. Uh, but I think they've sort of caught on with that, and a lot of times at the end of a show, they'll say, but here is some good news. Here's something neat, and usually it ends up involving an animal being saved or somebody that did some good deed or somebody that stepped up. This last week, at the end of the uh, NBC News, they had Luke Combs, country music star, very, very famous, and a young man uh, that had uh, dealt with cancer, Make-A-Wish program, lined him up where he could get on stage with Luke Combs. So the story was that that young man got up there and he got behind the microphone and I think it was Fast Car that he was singing and he got up there and that guy, and of course the kid looked like he was a little bit shocked. He couldn't quite handle it because he saw this huge crowd of people. Luke Combs is right there with him. He gets a microphone and he got to sing a song with Luke Combs in front of everybody. Afterwards, the parents were there and it's like, this is a night that he will never forget. They're like, what, you know, what hit you about it? The crowd was really loud, but then he got to sing. He loved it. It was his wish. He got an opportunity to be with somebody that he loved and he got that moment and said, for the rest of my life, I'm going to remember that. Maybe you've had a similar experience. You ever seen somebody famous? Got a backstage pass. Maybe you met an athlete or somebody that was, you know, known on the world stage. And what do we do? We have that one moment with that singer or with that actress or with that actor or with that athlete. And we hope to get a selfie. And then we go and tell everybody else the rest of our life about the 10 seconds we had with that person. Because now we have made a connection. Why is it such a big deal? Well, because we know that person and we got access to somebody that usually you don't get access to because what happens in our world if it's a powerful person they buy a lot of land and they put up tall fences in Murray County don't they okay they go and they have security around them I've gone to the White House many times but you know what I haven't done I haven't gone in the Oval Office I haven't talked to the president maybe you have some politicians that may come and for a moment I've got to go in some of the back rooms because we had a representative that led us around as a group and we had special access to that I've had a backstage pass and there's Vince Gill and I can tell you about when I was with Vince Gill Vince Gill can't tell you about the time he was with John Thomas okay there's a difference why because once people get power or get money or are really famous, they're usually trying to keep everybody away. What do we know about our Lord? Got just a couple moments to think about Matthew chapter 11. The most powerful, the most deserving of honor, the greatest one that ever walked the earth didn't keep people at arm's length. You know what he said? Come to me. I want to summarize a little bit of Matthew chapter 11 because we're walking through it. So I want to give you a couple things as, as you've been, I hope you're reading through these chapters. So to start, I just want to look at a couple different ideas and we're going to really focus on the passages we see at the end. Verses 1 through 6, you see John the Baptist and you just see a fact that uh, sometimes Satan makes it very difficult for us to understand who Jesus is and what's going on. John the Baptist, as you read the accounts of Jesus, comes and he declares that he's the one. I'm not worthy to unlatch his sandals. He has baptized Jesus. He has seen the Holy Spirit descend on him in the form of a dove. He thinks for sure he's the one. But right now he's in jail. Why? Because he told Herod, you have no right to be married to that person. God has guidelines on marriage and you're breaking those. And because of that, he's stuck in a jail cell and he's scratching his head going, 
if Jesus is the Messiah that sets the captive free, why am I in jail? In those first six verses, he's going to send some of his disciples to Jesus, and they're going to say, hey, John's having some moments of doubt right here because his life isn't working out the way that he thought it would if you were the Messiah. And Jesus says, well, just tell him what you've seen. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Look at the miracles. See these things that are happening. See that the poor are being preached to. Those that are disadvantaged that many people would ignore, they're having the gospel preached to them. These individuals uh, that have physical ailments are being healed. You are showing who he is. And God is going to try to, uh, Jesus is going to try to encourage him and confirm that he is the Messiah. Satan makes it difficult. God is going to expect faithfulness. Verse 11, you see Jesus talking about John the Baptist, and he says, I tell you, of those born of women, there are none greater than John the Baptist. What an awesome thing to have said about any individual. But then Jesus says, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. Once we enter into the kingdom, once we have Jesus' blood washing through, uh, uh, washing over us and taking care of us, the status that we have as the children of God is greater than any great servant. Why? Because we have his righteousness, not an individual's righteousness. Jesus is going to talk about in verse 16 and 17 that people are hard to, hard to please. People will always make an excuse. And Jesus is going to look at this generation. He said, if we played a flute, you aren't going to dance. If we play a happy song, you don't want to dance. If we did a funeral dirge, if we sang a sad song, then you don't want to mourn. Whatever we do, you're going to find something to do other than follow what God wants, and he sees that in the generation. He talks about the difference between what John the Baptist did and what Jesus did. John comes and lives a super simple existence. He lives off the land, locust and wild honey, telling people to repent. He doesn't touch a grape or grape juice at all. And what do they say? Well, he's got a demon. Something's wrong with him. This guy's going and he's not touching anything at all. And he is going to be somebody that is just, he's demon possessed and his uh, strict lifestyle, we're not going to accept it. Jesus comes eating and drinking. Opposite of what John the Baptist does. And what do they say about him? Well, he's a glutton. He's a drunkard. He's a friend of sinners. And what does he say? It doesn't matter what, where the message is coming from. What approach you like, people that do not want to listen simply won't listen. Jesus talks about that idea, but he eventually says wisdom, uh, wisdom is going to be shown by her deeds. Wisdom is vindicated by her deeds in verse 19. Why does all of this matter? Because what people are listening to is going to lead to judgment. Jesus then, about the next five verses, starts pronouncing woes on cities. We've had the limited commission that we saw this morning and those individuals went and they saw miracles. They saw God's power. They heard the message of the coming kingdom and they rejected it. And he said, oh, all of you that had an opportunity to hear the message, woe to you. Why? Because if this, the things that had been done in you had been done for other people, they would have repented. You guys were not listening. And Jesus is going to talk about the idea of one day in judgment, it's going to be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than it is for you people. Why? Because you didn't listen. Pay attention. Listen to the message. Realize that judgment is coming. Well, as you see that in verses 20 through 24, then Jesus comes and he's going to make the invitation. That's what I want us to spend our time on. Verses 28 and 29 are focused for tonight. Let's look at Jesus' words once again. 
What does the creator of the universe say? Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I've got the image on the graphic, but I want to go ahead and let the young folks see exactly what a yoke looks like. Okay, as Jesus talks about a yoke, this is something that's going to be common in his day. We don't see him much anymore. I believe this yoke is in Wisconsin. I guess if we go to Lawrenceburg, we might find some Mennonites with some yokes. What's the idea? This tool is going to harness these two animals together where they can work side by side and share the burden as they're going to do that work. One animal having a yoke on it, all that happens is when it gets tired, there is no rest. When you get two animals together, now you have a multiplying effect of their work as they're working through. As one is stumbling, the other's on their feet. If one's having a hard time, the other can help them. And these two animals are going to work side by side. And Jesus tells us, come to him. And he says, take my yoke upon you. Why should we do it? Well, I want to look at a couple reasons uh, to come to the Lord in Matthew 11 through Uh, verses 28 and 29. I think it's great that Jesus wants us to come to him. Why does he do that? Because life is difficult. Life's tough, isn't it? We have all kinds of burdens that come into our lives. We have all kinds of pressures, and he knows that life is difficult. Sometimes it's like John. There's doubts. Why is life happening to me this way? And he has questions, and he's looking for answers. And what does Jesus do for people who are dealing with doubts and struggles? Come to me. Because life is difficult. Dealing with people that are hard to please, living in a world that's rejecting the Lord and you're standing out and you're being different than everybody else and what you believe isn't like everybody else in class or everybody else at work and you're standing out there trying to hold your ground and be a person that is different than the culture around you and what does he say? He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Why does he see come to us? Because we need to come to him because of the pressures of life. Heavy laden, you have this idea of labor. Well, there's a lot of things in life that look, that's the work that we're doing. I'm going and I'm, I'm trying to do these different things and it's difficult to get work done. And Jesus says, look, come to me so we can do this stuff together. But then you have heavy laden. That's the idea of somebody else has laid a bunch of burdens on you. Sometimes it's work that we've claimed in. We're trying to achieve and we're trying to do these things when it comes to work. But then there's also other pressures that are put on us and that makes life so very difficult. Life is pressing down on me. Work is getting to me. Family pressures seem to build. School pressures, expectations of other people, trying to get along with others that may not agree with us. All of these different pressures that come upon us. We deal with health issues, we deal with our finances, we deal with all the different things of life, and we are heavy laden with a lot of things that can be placed upon us. And what does Jesus say? Come to me. Come to me with those pressures. Why? Because he knows we need to be with him. As Peter encourages, he says, cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Jesus says, I understand the pressures of this life. I understand the difficulties that are hard. And I understand that other people put things upon you. But what I want you to do is to come to me. Why? Because in so many ways, we need rest, don't we? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Have you been there? 
Can't take another step. I'm exhausted. The work, the pressure, the hardships, the expectations. So many times we simply need rest. Sometimes our minds are not at rest. Sometimes we can't sleep at night and we don't get any rest. Why? Because of pressures and labors and difficulties. And Jesus says, I want you to come to me. Ultimately, what I want to give you is rest. Whenever you come into life and you go uh, in, in life, the need for rest and the need to relax is very, very important. This last weekend, we were, uh, we were out at a lake and we were talking about swimming. If you've ever done any distance exercise, distance running, distance swimming, uh, distance cycling, you see people doing that and you think, how in the world do they go that long and how can you go and swim that far? And I was kind of explaining on swimming. If you're trying to swim and you're going distance and you're swimming really hard, you're going to sink. You know what you have to do? You have to relax. Now, many of you are going, if I had to swim half a mile, I'm not relaxed. I said, can you do this for 25 minutes? If so, you can probably swim half a mile if you'll relax and let it happen. Runners that are running distance, they're not running tense, they're running and you say, look, relax. I remember a guy saying, hey, get dinosaur arms, just sit there and let your arms go loose. And what do you want to do? You want to relax while you're running. If you get on that bike, you want to get in a zone where you're just smoothly going and your body is doing what it needs to go and you want to exert as little energy as necessary to go as far as you can. You need to learn to relax. Well, as Jesus says, come to me, I'm afraid what he's not saying is, hey, come to me and there won't be any pressures. Come to me and problems won't come. Come to me and there won't be any difficulties or I'll carry everything you have. You're going to have all of these different things, but there's an aspect of going through it with the Lord, knowing that you're going to meet the finish line. You're going to be able to accomplish what you need. And he says, look, I want to give you rest even in the middle of a storm. I want to give you the ability to go farther than you ever thought you would. Why? Because you're with me. There is a peace that he's wanting to put in. And as people are running, what are they doing? They're going a long way, but they've found out in the middle of that that I've got to pace myself and go at the speed that I have. And there's sort of a, a secret to doing those things. And I think our walk with God is very similar to that. We're going to have pressures. We're going to have outside people trying to put labor upon us. But Jesus says, come to me. And even in the midst of this life and even in the midst of all the things you're going to do, cast your cares on me and I'm going to help you to go farther than you could ever go because with me, you're not alone. With me, you can relax even in the midst of work. Why? Because we're all going to carry these loads. What does he say? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. One of the things I think we have to understand on this is Jesus is offering something. He's offering us something compared to what the world is offering. You are going to carry a yoke. You are going to be harnessed to something. You can be harnessed to Jesus or you can be harnessed to the world. You can be harnessed to Jesus or harnessed to just trying to satisfy your pleasures. You can be harnessed to Jesus or just be harnessed to making another dollar or trying to accumulate or become something else. You can be harnessed to Jesus or you can be harnessed to doing everything you can to make people like you. And you're going to be tied in. And Jesus says, I want you to come to me and learn from me. 
Because if you'll be harnessed to me, then there's going to be things in life that you will learn. Jesus knows we're all going to carry loads. The question is, are we going to carry the Lord's load and the things that he is looking for us to do, or are we going to carry a yoke from the devil? Tell you what the devil wants to do. He wants you to carry around sin in your life that's causing all kinds of turmoil. He wants you to stick a load in your life where you feel guilt because of what's happened, where you're carrying that guilt everywhere you go and you're not happy with yourself and it's going to sleep, uh, sneak into your relationships and everything else. He wants to burden you down thinking you're less than. He wants to tell you you're not loved and you're not worthy. He wants to put all of these things on your shoulders and watch you be crushed underneath the present, uh, under that pressure. What does Jesus want to do? He wants to tell you that you're loved that you have a purpose, and that he wants to help you carry the burdens of this life. He wants to call you to be different than everybody else and show them how you can walk through this world with the same pressures but in a different walk, in a relaxed way where you're walking in holiness, where you're walking in righteousness. And Jesus says, come to me and learn of me. It's interesting that if we take that choice, if we make that choice and say, I want Jesus' yoke, then we're going to have things that we're going to learn about life. What does he say? He says, I'm gentle. I'm meek. I'm lowly in heart. He says, come and share life with me. And what we see as we look at Jesus is we serve a master who is a servant leader, who is looking out for the needs of others, who didn't come to be served, but to serve and to see how he could take care of everyone else's needs. And you think, well, that's just adding more burdens on to me to not only have mine, but to have others. But guys, there's something about taking care of other people that takes the burdens off of us. The burdens I thought I had disappear when I'm trying to help somebody else lift theirs. And Jesus says, come and learn it. I'll show you how. Come to me. And he knew the fulfillment that came from that. He knew the joy that he had and he wanted us to have it. He knew the peace that that brings instead of fighting for other things that we want to simply give and to be successful every time. And he says, learn about me. He says, if you'll do this, you'll find rest in your souls. Why? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's a pretty awesome summary of the yoke that Jesus wants us to have. He says it's easy and it's light. Doesn't mean that everything in life will be easy, but it means that we never do it alone. It doesn't mean that the other pressures are not gonna be there, but it means that we're walking with someone else who will help us. It doesn't mean that we won't have difficulty or pain. It doesn't mean that the devil's not going to put things upon us. It doesn't mean that we don't have to face sickness or death. But it means that we do it with the one who is teaching us how to walk through every one of those things. And as we've sung tonight, who says, eventually, understand that you will be with me throughout all eternity. Our Savior wants us. He doesn't have security. He's going to remember my name and he's going to remember your name. He'll confess our name before his father. And he invites us to come in. It's amazing that our God, with all of his power, with all of the things that he is, says, I want you to be with me. But that's the Savior that we serve. He wants to share our loads, he's carried our grief and our sorrows. He even wants our sins to be upon our back, on his back, so that he can give us strength, joy, and peace in life.
You see the words of the Lord tonight, and I'll simply let those speak to you. Jesus wants you to be with him. Are you ready to do that? Have you made a commitment yet? Are you a Christian? Have you confessed him? Have you said, look, I'm tired of carrying this myself. I need help with that. Jesus says, come to me. Confess my name. Turn away from sin. Come and learn of me. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to help you for the rest of your life to walk through these burdens with help. He invites you to come. If we can help you in any way, please come as we stand, as we sing.